Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You haven't missed that this podcast is in collaboration with Adidas, right? Not too long, they released Sweden's jersey for the upcoming Euros this summer in England. The jersey contains a full guide on how to stop Sweden, and you can also find this guide at howtostopsweden.com. Be sure to check it out and enjoy this episode. This week's their pitch player is Belgium national team striker Tessa Wullert. Not only is she the captain of Belgium, but she is also the most goal scorer for the Red Flames. She has scored 65 goals in 106 appearances. She has represented clubs such as RC Anderlecht back home in Belgium, VfL Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga and Manchester City in the WSL. With the Green Wolves in Germany, she reached the Champions League final in 2018. She won the league title and the DFB Pokale Cup. With Manchester City, she won the league double, the FA Cup and the Continental Cup. And recently, Wullert was announced to have signed with Dutch club, and please forgive me if I pronounce this once wrong now, Fortuna Sittard. You are listening to their pitch, and this is the Tessa Bullard episode. So how we say it in my language, it's Tessa, that's easy, and then Wöllert. One more time. Wöllert. We are back with a brand new episode of the Euro Special. Today we have Tessa Wollert on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, thank you. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, well. I'm a fresh Belgian champion. So last week we became Belgian champions. Yay! So um, yeah, it would be weird to say I'm not. I'm not doing good. And you guys secured that before the league was over, right? Yes, um, three games before uh, the end of the league. So um, yeah, it's really good. So we have a quote from somebody that that describes you as a player and as a person. And then you're going to have to guess who it is. It says, hi, Tessa. I have to be very accurate with what I write because you're the one and only who can spot every mistake. Here we go. Not a football fact to start with. Your dog's name is John Marie Woff. Woof. After Belgium's and Bayern's legendary goalkeeper, John Marie Woff. Hopefully I didn't pronounce that wrong. Bullet is the player. Uh, well, Tessa, the player, is all about football's facts and figures. She's an all-time goal scorer of the Red Flames, three times second for the Golden Boot. In the Euro qualifiers, you had the most assists. In the World Cup qualifiers, you, you had most goals and most assists. 
On the day you scored the 50th for the Red Flames, I immediately named you TW50. You like that. It seems like yesterday. Not time, but you go fast. It's TV65 already, and it might be TW70 before the Euro starts. Counting goals is easy. They keep track of UEFA and FIFA, but for all your assists as a Red Flame, you know I contacted UEFA, and they cannot keep track. Know what? We're the professionals, not them. Who do you think that is? I think that's a a, a journalist, and also, uh, yeah, he also became a friend of mine. Um, it's uh, Dirk de Verme. That is correct. Yeah, I immediately knew it when you said TW fifty. He was the only one that said it, and um, yeah, he's also the one that uh, tries to keep count with my goals and assists, which I really appreciate. Uh, despite of UEFA, who doesn't count assists properly. So, um, yeah, I immediately knew it. So whenever you need to know what your score is at, you just call him and you're like, hey, what number am I at right now? Yeah, or the other way around, he's like, uh, well, today, uh, 4-0, um, what do I count? Or where do I put the, uh, another uh, mark where you're, with your goals or with your assists? So um, then I just text him back like, one goal or one assist or none of those. So it was my day, um, but we still won. So stuff like that. I wanted to talk to you. Do you remember being called up to the national team for the first time? And do you remember what it felt like? Yeah, I was playing back in, I think I was 17 and I was playing back with the first team of Soto Wadeham, I think. Um, I don't really remember how I felt, but I must have been pretty excited. But I remember when I was 16, I, I had a call up as well to train with the national team, the first team. And I went to that training and I thought like, okay, is this really like the level of the first team? Like I can keep up and I'm only 16. So um, I was like, okay, get me in the team. I'm ready to play. But then they said like, um, you're too young. We don't want to uh, burn you or something like that. So I remember I was pretty um, disappointed then. But when I got the call up for the unders- for the national team when I was 17, one year later, that was with another coach as well. Um, yeah, I think I was pretty excited to finally get started with the first team. But going in there at 16 years of 16 years old, because you said you were like, "Oh, is this what it's like? I can keep up." Were you not impressed with the way the Belgian team was at the time? No, when I grew up, um, it was never my dream to become professional or um, go into the first team because I didn't really know they even existed because, um, yeah, no one was talking about them, uh, unfortunately. Um, uh, so I felt really sorry for the girls as well who were playing there because, um, yeah, they didn't got really supported. Um, so I think that's why the level was quite low and I, um, yeah, I could fit in easily. And do you remember the first time you stepped on the field with Bel- with the Belgian national team? Um, with the first team, you mean? Yeah, with the seniors. Remember that when um, I was training and uh, we were together for a couple of days, um, I didn't really like it because, um, yeah, I, w- I was the youngest on the team. And um, for me, it, it, it still is, believe it or not, but it's hard to come into a group where I don't know anyone. And um, for me, it was really hard to fit in as a young girl and... Um, yeah, I got like a massive respect for the girls that were playing there. They were all older. And for me, it was hard to communicate with them as well because we had different um, interests, I think. Um, whereas now, I think if young girls step in, they are a lot more confident and sometimes with a little bit less respect for the older ones, I think. 
but that's the new generation, I think. But for me, uh, it was quite hard in the, in the beginning, but then I uh, I got to know them and the captain took really well care of me. And uh, yeah, luckily I didn't say back then um, I'm quitting this. Did you feel like that maybe like as a player now that you are one of the, you know, one of the big players, one of the big role models of the team, do you feel like that experience where you didn't feel like you fit in kind of humbled you for what you're for being the leader that you are now when other young players come in? Do you understand where I'm what I'm yeah, trying to That's ask? quite my role as well as a captain, I think. And I, I had to learn that as well because uh for me the most important thing is to perform on the pitch. But as a captain I had to learn to um to get well with people around the pitch as well. Um, and that's what I try to do when, when we, when we come together with the national team, I try to have a, a quick word with everyone. So, um, so I know they are, they are okay. And for me, it's really important to communicate with everyone as well. Um, even when that's only like one conversation or something, because you can get deep conversation with anyone, with everyone in the, in the team. But, um, yeah, I think that experience made me conscious of the fact when someone comes in for the first time in the national team that it might be scary or something. And let's talk your national team debut with the with the seniors, with the first team. Do you remember? I do. Uh, around, we had like 700 people watching that game. It was non-telly because we were not popular or big at, at that time. I think it was 2011. Uh, we played Russia. We won 1-0 and I scored and that was it. Do you remember the date? Uh, it was in summer though. Maybe July or August? August. August, yeah, but the yeah. day I don't remember. <laughs> the twentieth of August, two thousand and eleven. But that is what is it? Twelve years, eleven years ago. Eleven years ago. Um, and what does it mean for you to play for Belgium? And what does it mean being one of the Red Flames to you? Uh, I, well, I have to say it's really important. Um, I could never just um step down of the national team just like that because other players. Sometimes do, uh, when there's money problems or equality problems. Um, and there, there is with our national team as well. But, um, for me, it's, yeah, it's just one thing. And, um, playing there is, 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 is really important. And, uh, I feel honored as well. Um, so yeah, it's just really nice to play with, with the national team and to get the support from the country and, and, and that they follow you. So, um, we're going to the Euros this summer, which is only the second time ever. And, um, yeah, we, we talked about the, the, the prom promo campaigns they're going to do in the city in Belgium when we're away. And, uh, it's really cool. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Could this be, um, cause a lot of people are talking about how big this Euros is going to be. Could this be the next step for Belgian women's football? Do you think it could be? But then again, I think we have to do better than in 2017 where we, um, stepped out of the qualifying round. So we, we finished third in the group. So we didn't go through. So our next goal is to go through now and um, anything is possible. I hope we have less stress than uh, than the first game ever we did in 2017, because that's where we lost our qualifying round in the first game. Um, so, yeah, anything is possible. And uh, again, for us to qualify for the Euros is already a big boost for the um, women's soccer in Belgium. So, um, yeah, we'll see what, what comes next. Let's talk about 2017. I want to touch on that a little bit because you guys historically qualified. How was that to be a part of as a player? That was big. Um, it was a little dream coming through. Uh, we were like, I've, I've been with the national team now for 11 years. So 
there's been a lot of years where we didn't qualify for any big tournament. So uh, I only watched it on TV and it was really frustrating. So um, to finally qualify, that was uh, that was big. And I would say in 2017, the women's uh, women's soccer in Belgium got a really big boost. And uh, from that time on, um, people talked about us. We were seen. Um, people invested in us, which was really important as well. And um, yeah, for the first time, our games were on telly. That was the first time they were on television? I think, uh, as, as far as I remember, yeah. That must have been massive. I mean, I remember, for example, if we take Sweden, for example, like, I mean, obviously they've qualified, but for as long as I can remember, their, their games have been on TV. Um, yeah, no, normally we were seen on a, on a big channel and then they sold our rights because they wanted to put uh, darts instead, uh, instead of us on the television. So I was like, okay, yeah, um, it's a money thing. Um, that's how it goes. But, um, yeah, that's how it is in Belgium. But now I think we're on, a, we're on a big channel again this summer, which is good. Our qualifying games for the World Cup and Euros were on television as well. Um, so that's good. That's actually really good now that they're, that they've actually done something and started streaming it on TV. Yeah. The only thing is when we don't qualify for the World Cup, then we will, uh, drop down again, I think, from our attention. So we really are, um, yeah, we really depend on, uh, on, 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 on being at big tournaments to keep the, um, the women's game alive in Belgium. Does that give you another set of pressure as a player? Whereas you know that first of all, obviously you want to perform and you want to do your best in order to get to those big tournaments, but knowing that if we don't make it, well, they're not going to stream our friendlies. Um, another pressure. Uh, I think we can think, we can think about it because that would give us more stress than we maybe already have. But um, we just need to be conscious about it and think about it, that not qualifying for anything is, uh, yeah, it's going to have a, a lot of consequences. So, um, yeah, we need to keep it in the back of our mind, but it can't give us any extra stress. True. And how important is it to keep that? So I just want to spin on this for a little bit, because how important is it for, I mean, women's football in Belgium won, and two, for young players coming out of the grassroots playing and dreaming about becoming footballers, how important is it to get that kind of visibility and show that, okay, we're here, we're doing good, we're, we're a team, and we love our job? How important is that? Well, as I said, when I was young, I didn't have any role models because I didn't even know the national team existed. So now I think we've given, um, especially since 2017, it all comes back to that year, but we've given the the little girls a perspective and uh, and a dream that if they uh, invest in something or in women's football, that they can uh, it can become their job and they can uh, they can try to get a, li a living of it. So um, I think we've also grown the double um, of little girls that actually started playing football, which is also important because. The less girls you have, the less um, the less um, amount of, of talents you will have later on, which is important for, for the women's football in Belgium. So um, in one way, we are role models, yes. Um, and um, we need to behave like it as well, which is sometimes difficult because um, a lot of um, a lot of uh, people still do, don't know that um, that in Belgium, actually, no one is a professional player. So we all go to work during the day. And, um, we train in the evening 
but still we are, we are seen as professional athletes and we, we, we need to live by it. Um, so drinking no alcohol, no parties, not put it on social media. Whereas actually we're not even paid as a professional athlete. So for us, it's difficult. We also say with the national team, we want to, um, enter the top eight of, um, Europe, which with that you try to say, like, we want to compete. Um, over the years with England and with, with Germany and stuff, whereas they've been professional for over more than 10 years and we're still not professional. So that's, yeah, that's difficult for us, but we're doing our best and we're putting a lot of time and effort in it and, um, we'll see where we get. I'm, I must ask because I think, I, are you the only prof- fully professional player in Belgium? Actually, yes. Um, but I can't do anything with it because I have to adapt to all the girls around me. And so we train at eight in the evening. There's only one day during the day we train, um, during the day. And, uh, so the girls, they either take off a day from work, um, or they don't go to school or anything. So, um, yeah, life in Belgium as a soccer player is quite hard. Understandable. Um, but let's go back to the more fun things, which I think is, I want to hear about your best memory with the national team so far. Good question. Um, there's a few, though. Um, I can say when we won against Norway at the Euros, that's one for sure. That was 2-0, to zero, right? 2-0, to zero, yeah. When I got my 100 cap for the national team, which was cool as well. Um yeah, maybe that's the two big ones. I might be. Are you the most capped player? You are, right? No, 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 no. I'm not. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. But you're getting there. Well, you never know. Um, it, it just depends on how many years you, you play football, but I don't really count the caps. For me, the goals is more important because, um, that's, I think, more hard to beat than just the caps because, um, we're, um, participating a lot more like we have a lot more tournaments now in summer whereas where I started there was years where we didn't do anything in summer so now it's a lot easier to get more caps in a season than uh, than I had in the beginning so um that's why I'm not really counting the caps I'm proud of it but I'm not I'm not really counting them and you talked about the goals being more more important you've you've scored the most out of anyone in Belgium do you have a goal that stands out like a favorite one where you're like that one was good Mm, not really not that I remember um, no, for me, they're, I think they're all important. And the most important thing is when I can score in a game where we, where we win, because, um, I will always put a win before a goal. So, um, yeah, that maybe that's why I don't really remember it. And before I, I let you go off to the, and that, the football analysis part, I want to know, uh, the Euros 2022 obviously is going to be a big deal. It's they they've, they've said that it's going to be one of the biggest up until this moment. And when it comes to women's, women's sports in general, but at the same time, they have, um, how do you say, they have um, arenas that only take 4,500 people. You're smiling, but you're actually going to be playing at one of those arenas. Is that something you've reflected on? or? I actually played with um, with the girl that said uh something about our stadium so i was uh i was laughing and i uh and actually could i actually can understand her for me i was just happy to play in a stadium that i know and 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 where i've been playing for over two years and i didn't really ask myself the question like is this really how we want to be treated playing in one of the academy stadiums and uh where's where there's not that big crowd that can fit in um but then again i don't uh, yeah i've i didn't really say anything about it um 
because um, I was just happy that it was in Manchester and, and that I that I know this stadium. But I can see where she's coming from. But I'm just hoping that um, well, of course, it, it's sold out. That's not really hard to understand. But um, it's just nice that it's sold out and. I hope that uh, we didn't disappoint a lot of Belgian fans that can't come to the game or didn't get a ticket because um, the stadium is rather one of the smallest. How does it feel? Because you said you're happy that it's in Manchester. How does it feel to go back home for or back home? But you know what I mean? Yeah, back home. Tournament. I will never say back home because um, either Wolfsburg or Manchester wasn't my home um, abroad. I, I never called it my home because I home is where, where my boyfriend is, where my family is. So, um, But yeah, it's nice. I know the city. I know the environment, I know how it works. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. And what do you think the year 2022 will mean for women's football in general? The fact that it's such a big hype and everything around it. I think we will break new records with the, with the Euros. And, um, yeah, there will be a lot of attention as well. So I just hope we get through the next round and, um, and yeah, and take that attention with us to, to try to, um, grow the women's soccer in Belgium and in general, I've, yeah, in general, women's soccer already broke some ready, some records in 2022. So I'm guessing this summer there will be more. Fingers crossed for that. I'm going to let you go now to the football analysis part. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Let's hit it. I want to know how you come ended up playing as a forward and what is the best thing? Uh, what is the best thing about being one? I must admit, when I was younger and I was playing with the boys, I was a central defender. Not really, pe- not really many people know that, but yeah, I was. Um, still, I had uh, like a big guy next to me that um, that uh, did all the hard stuff. Like I was just analyzing the game, and when the ball came, I was just running through it. But he really uh, went into a duel, or how do you say it? When there was heading or stuff, he did it. Um, I'm still not good at heading, so maybe that's why. But then I, when I went to the, the girls, uh, a girls team, it was, yeah, the level was lower. And for me, it was, it was easier. So then I think I transformed into a midfielder slash attacker. And, um, once you get the taste of scoring a goal and, uh, or giving an assist, I think, uh, that's what you want to do as an attacker. So for me, um, yeah, I do count goals and assists because for me, it's important that I know that I contributed and, um, because you never, as an attacker, you never want to hear after the game, oh, you defended well. That's not your job. So that's why, uh, yeah, I'm trying to do my best and, and, and make a goal or, or give an assist, uh, in the game. You, you've really done it all, like from the back to the front. <laughs> yeah, actually, I did. Uh, it's, it's crazy because if you would, let me play as defender now. Um, I think I would just be the same, like try to take the ball, uh, from my, from a good position, but not really, um, yeah, making a hard tackle or whatever. Well, that's, that's quite unique. We, we haven't had anyone on this podcast yet that has played across the whole pitch. Um, so. Well, someone needs to be first. Exactly, exactly. Have you, have you been a goalkeeper? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh my God. I was young as well. I was so young. Uh, and, uh, it was also with the boys team. And so we were, we actually had a really good team. There was, there was two girls and then we had the, the rest was boys. And so we were really good. And I think we were leading like five or six nil. 
at halftime. So then the coach said, uh, well, we can rotate a bit. Anyone wants to be in goal. And I remember, I think we actually lost or drew 5-5 or 6-5. So that was the last time I was in the goal because, uh, yeah, I hate losing. And then it was actually my fault because I was I was playing as a goalkeeper. So, um, yeah, that was the last time. Never again. At least you tried it. So, you know, it's not your thing. If you never try, you'll never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But... Um, and, uh, Looking at the position you play today, um, what's needed in your opinion uh, of the modern forward in today's game? Um, I think it's all about speed, vision and technique for me. Uh, I also give training to little girls and the most important thing for me is, uh, is technique. When you, can, when you are both uh, footed and um, you have a good vision of the game and speed, when you have speed and especially in, a, in women's soccer, you have a, a big advantage. Yeah, for sure. We always get a lot of questions uh, from the ones uh, listening to this podcast about differences between leagues. And you've played in many different leagues and different clubs. Um, and you've been a part of Belgium's national, te national team for many years. What would you say um, are the differences between, let's say, the English football, the German football and the Belgium football? I always say when I played in German, I learned how to run. Um, I had to run a lot. Um, in preparation on the pitch, I was a winger then. Um, yeah, even when um, the, the opponent's attacker was playing against the defender, I had to run back to help and, and to help the defender. So there was a 2v1. And I never experienced that in Belgium. It's just like a one-on-one. -on -one. If there's an attacker and the defender is there, well, it's fine. You don't need to help as a winger. But in Germany, I did. So I would say in Germany, they really play direct as well with long balls and, and straightforward. Whereas where I played in Manchester in England, um, we really try to build up from behind. Um, small passes on the ground, really technical. Um, that's also one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Manchester because it was a team like that and uh, where technique was really important. And I think that's one of my strengths. And uh, I, I like how I like playing like that. It's it's my yeah. It's called football for a reason. It's it's done with feet and not with with head or with long balls. So um, and then in Belgium, there's not really. I don't really. I don't. I can't really put a term on the style of playing here. It's just. Uh, I don't know, it's just football here. If we just look at the forward posi pos position then, uh, which tactical aspect do you feel like you've grown or learned the most about over your career? Mm, maybe it's how to how to use my body more. Uh, when you receive a ball, like you're already turning in where you want to go and um, yeah, playing one or two touches straight away and um, that's how you use your speed in the game as well. It's not always running fast but also playing fast and Playing one, two touches and um, playing on the right foot as well. I put a lot of uh, attention on that as well because you, if you win one or two seconds in a game, it can be a big difference. So, um, yeah, that would be my answer. Apart from goals and assists, um, do you work with the statistics as a part of improving your game? And, and if you do, uh, what, uh, what are the statistics and metrics you, you work with? Um, I don't really use statistics, actually. Um, because I always, I always believe in the natural part of football as well. Um, just go with the flow, go with your feeling because sometimes we, I don't really like to be treated as a robot. I think, um, I think I am at my best when I don't think in the game and when I just try to uh, use my feeling. And, um, 
because sometimes, yeah, modern football uses too many data and too less, um, yeah, the natural thing of football. And, um, that's, that's sometimes what I miss. Can there be any pressure about delivering as a striker? Yeah, especially when I'm back in Belgium, everyone is watching me and every game. And, um, I once read a quote where he said, like, I did 10 things right and one thing wrong. And people talked about the wrong thing. And that's the same with me when I have one bad game. They're like, oh, her level is dropping down because she's playing in Belgium or, um, uh, yeah, she didn't perform well, blah, blah, blah. Whereas as a striker, you're, you're all, or as a winger, especially, you're always depending on, on the team and where the ball goes. And if they play on mostly on the other side and you're playing right and the ball is always left, then, well, there's not much you can do. So, um, and I don't think any footballer, not even Ronaldo or Messi is, is, is playing a hundred percent right every game. So, um, or, or hundred percent well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure, but, um, I, tr I, I try to, manage it can you take something from the national team into your everyday life playing for your club and vice versa like yeah we're like i think six or seven from my team is in the national team which is uh yeah which is really good uh, in the first place and secondly when we yeah when we learn anything at the national team we try to discuss it and and try to um to implement it in the in the club because uh, also organ organizedly wise something like that um in the club there can, there's still a lot of room for improvement so we try to um yeah we try to get it at the same level but our national team is growing way faster than uh, the clubs in Belgium do which is quite frustrating but um it is how it is But going into a big tournament this summer, like the Euros, and you've played a long season, uh, and you are one of, yeah, you are the key player in Belgium's national team. How do you prepare physically and mentally ahead of a tournament like this? Good question. We still have uh, one league game left this weekend, and then we um, go into the cup final, which is uh, which is the last uh, the last game of the season. Then we got 10 days off. So, uh, one week I'm going on holidays and three days I will be home. And then, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I will put on social media that I'm not available for anything because I really need to take those days off mentally as well. Um, because it's been a hard year, especially next to soccer. I'm, I also, I'm also running my own company where we organize trainings for little girls. So it's been quite busy. And, um, after that, yeah, we just start with the national team. We have running tests and then, Uh, practices. Uh, we're some days together, some days home. Um, we have some games. I think four or five games before the Euros. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's how it will be looking, my summer. I'm gonna end this section with that you will get the chance to tell our listeners why they should come to England this summer to watch Bel Belgium play football. Um, why? Because we really need the support. I think we're one of the teams that people don't really maybe fancy watching or even know. So um, I think it could be interesting to, yeah, to watch us and uh, knowing that uh, maybe 75% of us is not even a professional athlete and we compete with professional athletes. So um, that's interesting. And we're a team that never gives up. And uh, yeah, I think we can, we can use any extra support. Well, let's jump into the listeners questions. Take it away, Amanda. 
Yash wants to know, how do you as a striker and goal scorer view the importance of shooting from good locations and in turn getting into good positions? Do you consider expected goals to be a determining metric or do you not take it into consideration as much? That's a long question. <laughs> can you ask me? I know. Can you ask me again? Because there's already already a lot of things going on uh, in my head. Let's say, do you consider expected goals to be a determining metric, or do you not take it into consideration as much? Do you consider the XG to be a determining metric, or do you not care at all? I just try to have a good position for a shot, and mostly when I score a goal, I already scored in my head because I already know what I'm gonna do. Um, so yeah, that's it. But sometimes I, I, yeah, I'm 29 and I still need to learn as well. But sometimes when, um, yeah, the situation can change. And even though I already scored in my head, there can still be someone blocking the shot. So sometimes you also have to anticipate that. that and I think I can be better at that as well. And maybe, um, take the ball to my other foot and stuff. So the defender doesn't know when I'm going to take the shot. So, um, but most, of my goals is just coming from confidence and saying to myself, well, this is going to be a goal. Um, and that's it. Great. And then the last question from Yash is while shooting, what do you deem more important getting a, getting the shot on target or placing or B placing the shots out of reach. And how does this vary from situation to situation? I think I would say B, um, but I think a is actually even better because, um, we must admit that women goalkeepers, um, that's the position that is the less, um, developed. I think it's, I can only name a few really good goalkeepers where I played with. And, um, so I think it's, if the shot is on goal, there's most of the chance that it might be a goal. But, um, yeah, for me, I just, I have, uh, uh, as I said, the plan in my head where I want to put the ball and then I try to put it there. And um, especially with a penalty, for example, you really have to know where you're going to shoot it or I have to. Um, some girls really anticipate on what the goalkeeper is doing, but I don't. I just, uh, yeah, I just choose the corner and shoot. And that's what I, um, what I do during the game as well. Laura wants to know, do you see yourself return to play abroad again? Or is this no longer a must for you? That's a question I think a lot of people want to know. Uh, I always said I would like to play one or two more years in Spain. Um, I've, I've played in all the leagues I wanted, especially, um, except for Spain. That's one league I would like to go to. Um, but I'm just taking every season as it comes and, and every offer as well, because it's not because I want to play in Spain that the teams where I want to go to, that they would like to have me there. So um, there's a lot of discussion and talkings, and um, but I must say I always follow my heart, and that's why I, I came back to Belgium as well. But um, yeah, there's there's always a chance I'm 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 going abroad again. Um, so we'll see. And I must ask you because obviously there have been some rumors floating around the internet. I don't know if you've seen them. Uh, are is there any truth to those rumors that have been been out? about some clubs being in talks with you in Spain? Um, yeah, there is some talking, so it's not... Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie about it, but um, um, there's no agreement, so that's all I can say. But N dot B-R-G-L-M-N. 
Why did you choose to play football in a Belgian league again? Because, um, first of all, I think I decided to play back in Belgium in July, the first year when Corona came, COVID came. And um, actually, I, I believe in life, everything happens for a reason. And back in January, I uh, told my agent, like, hey, I don't know if I want to extend my contract in City. I'm really not happy. I just want to go home. I miss my family and I think I'm going to perform better when I'm feeling well on every level. And, um, yeah, I think after 20, I was 27 back then. I think you or I really know well what I want to, what, where I want to, where I want to go in life. So, um, um, I said it in January and then in March, um, COVID came. So for me, that was like kind of a blessing because I was stuck, stuck in Belgium. Uh, I couldn't go back to city. Um, and then I, uh, I did so many things with my boyfriend and with my family. Um, and then I told myself like, Hey, this is, this is where I want to be. This is where I, where I'm feeling at my, at my happiest. And, um, yeah, that's when negotiations with, uh, with Anderlecht came. And, uh, I, I even had to convince them that I was a hundred percent like sure that I wanted to play because I, in Belgium, because they didn't really believe me that I wanted to come back. Um, but for me, looking back at it, it was, it was one of the best decisions I did, even though a lot of people didn't understand me and they were saying like, what are you doing? Um, this is not good for your career and blah, blah, blah. But I think I know what's best for my career. And, um, yeah, looking back at it, I think I'm performing way better now with the, even with the national team than when I was playing abroad and maybe having less confidence. So why, why would it be a bad decision then? That's true. I must, sorry, I must spin on to this because I think it's so interesting, you know, because they're, it's the same talk in Sweden right now where they're like, why are people coming back to the Swedish league to play? Because obviously, you know, the Spanish league, the Italian, everyone is just, it's just blowing up. Every league is getting bigger and better. But do you feel as, you know, you're a striker and a very good one to say the least, would you say that, would you say that there's enough competition for you in the Belgian league? Yeah, everyone tells me like, um, okay, what's your next goal? Because you've you've done it all in Belgium. But for me, it's just uh, proving people wrong and raising the bar. And no one believed me when I said after last year, when I got 38 goals, I said the next year I'm going to do the same. And no one believed me or like only a few people believed me. And uh, I think this year with 34 goals, I'm not far away. So um, I think if if I set my mind to something, I can really reach it, um, even though people think don't think so. But um yeah, there's a lot of competition though, because I, yeah, as I said, I just want to raise the bar and prove everyone that, yeah, that I, that I want to be the best. And, um, for me, that's enough. And, uh, for me, there's more to, to life than football as well. That's what I always said. As you're getting older, there's other priorities as well. And as I said, my family is important and, um, I'm living together with my boyfriend now, which I'm really enjoying. And, um, yeah, having my own company was always something that I wanted. Um, also keeping in mind what I, what I would like to do after my career. So I think already starting this, um, is a, is, is a good start for, yeah, for developing as well. And, um, yeah, we'll see where it goes, but, um, I'm not saying I'm going to play six more years in Belgium until the end of my career. Everything can, anything can happen. And, uh, yeah, I'll just take it a season per season and then we'll see what happens. 
would you also would you also say i'm sorry me i know that maybe you want to come in with your listeners question but i think this is so interesting would you also say that maybe considering how you said that you felt in city you weren't really happy there would you say that within these you've played two seasons now in belgium right these two seasons you've scored over what 60 over 70 goals over two seasons would you say that you're getting more value then out of being in Belgium and performing at the level you are instead of being, for example, at city and performing at a mediocre level. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's a discussion. I, uh, yeah, I have a lot. No, I actually, to be honest, I got more valued when I was playing back in city and performing, well, not less, but in a different way than I'm performing now, um, which is hard to understand for myself because um because for me, I know that I'm performing better with the national team. That's how it is. So um, it's difficult to discuss with people that valued me more when I was back in City than than now. And it's frustrating as well because I'm like, hey, the facts are here and, and just look at it. But you can't change um, sometimes the, the people's minds. So um, as long as I know that I'm doing well and that my level is not dropping um, because we're training in the evening... Um, then I think all as well. And I think that's really what people need to hear, you know, that, hey, I'm I'm over here. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I'm performing at a top level. And no matter what you guys are going to say, I'm still going to do me. I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to score goals. So to talk to the hands, kind of like that. And people need to hear that. Mia, go ahead. I'm not going to stall you any longer. Yeah. Let's take the last question. And this is, it's actually not a question, but... Sora Gamler um, would be great if she could tell us a little bit about the experience of the Champions League final back in 2018. 2018. What? That was my last final? Yeah, in, in Kiev. Yeah, where we lost an extra time. Yeah, um, that was disappointing because we were leading 1-0 and um, mm, actually not many people know this but um, we were preparing for the game and we were back in Wolfsburg and we were having lunch after training and then we were, um, we were getting our flight. And then I realized I forgot my international passport and, um, I, yeah, so I skipped the lunch and I drove back, uh, to my house in Wolfsburg and then I realized it was in Belgium. So I called my mom and I just didn't know what to do. So actually I couldn't travel to the Champions League final. Um, this is actually so bad, but, um, yeah, so then I still got in, luckily, um, but my coach was really not happy with it. Um, so yeah, the pre- preparation of the game was quite hard and uh, nerve-wracking, but then we, yeah, we got into the game and then Caro got injured, I think. And then uh, I played the second half. We were leading 1-0 in extra time. Yeah, and then we got beaten 4-1, so that was... Uh, that was really frustrating. I thought, okay, for once we can beat Leon because the the final before we lost to them as well on penalties, which was even more close. Um, so yeah, if I would have one more dream, it would be winning the Champions League because um, it's so nice. But then again, I uh, I got to two finals, which is really good as well. But still winning it would be better. How did you get in? I don't know. They've, they arranged it. I got, I got my ID though. I got my Belgian ID. And I think through that they, uh, yeah, they believed it was me and that I, that I was fine. And, um, but yeah, I got, I've, it was one of the most nervous moments in my life, I think. 
Uh, with that being said, we're going to go into the last section, which is, which is a this or that rapid fire questions. I'm going to ask you five questions and you can only choose one. Um, scoring one yourself or making an assist? Um, oh, you're thinking. Yeah, I know. Um, goals. Goals. Winning the Champions League or the Euros? The Euros. Volley or header? Volley. Movement or positioning? Positioning. Being in the starting 11 in a mediocre game where the result is a draw or loss or coming off from the bench to make an impact to get the win? Last one. Always win. Yeah. Tessa, it's been incredible to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much for being on. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for the invite. I enjoyed it. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.